going on, fantasy fam? Here we are yet again. Week 13 is in the books, and uh, a lot happened this week. Uh, a lot of people are probably getting prepared for their fantasy playoffs. Um, hopefully, if you listen to us, we did get you ready for your fantasy playoffs. Um, so let's get let's dive into the. I'd also like to point out that the uh, Avengers trailer came out, and it was phenomenal. Looks pretty good, actually. I thought it was a pretty awesome trailer. I'm not a huge fan of those types of movies, personally. So I don't know. I I I watch once in a while, but that is not one of my uh, my favorite types. I thought it was a pretty epic trailer, to say the least. I mean, now that we're in the business of throwing out random things, I just got two real quick things now to introduce the show with as well. Isle of Dogs opening up the Berlin Film Festival might be, you know, the, the winner of every film festival West slash Anderson. Academy Awards slash SAG Awards uh, next year. Um, and Aaron Boone was hired by the New York Yankees since we are a football-baseball podcast. Going to drop some baseball knowledge on you. Um, Aaron Boone hired for the New York Yankees. Wow. Thank you for that insight on both of your points. Um, both movie suggestions, please go out and see them. Uh, as for Aaron Boone, we will get to that in a few weeks when we start discussing fantasy baseball and uh, and the impact that Aaron Boone might have on the New York Yankees. Mm. So, on that note, let's turn to the news. A lot happened this past few days, past week uh, in the NFL and from a fantasy perspective. And the biggest impact on most teams going forward, especially if you're starting your playoffs uh, in week 14, Rob Gronkowski has been suspended for one game. His, oh. uh, his hit... His unnecessary hit on Tredavious White, the rookie from LSU, on the Buffalo Bills now, it was unnecessary, to say the least. Um, there are people who debate otherwise. Larry Fitzgerald has come out and condemned it. Not condemned, wrong word. But he has he has been very upset and vocal about the fact that it should not have been a suspension for Rob Gronkowski. Really? How, though? He, um, he was down on the ground. I, I'm, hey, I'm hey. going to have to disagree with you on that there, oh, Mr. Lawrence. Larry. I like you, Larry, too. But. I, I think Gronkowski thought he was at a pool party at Vegas. He <laughs> just thought he just... What the hell was that? That was so Off the weird. top rope that helmet? Was so like, with weird. Helmet? Like, he, he just speared him. completely threw his whole body at him. <laughs> it was you like a half-jump fall. It was really awkward. That's, that's a lot of body to throw it at someone. And we don't see that much from Gronk. He he is kind of goofy, but he's not really a vicious type of player. So it was kind of interesting to see. Tredavious White must have done something to piss him off. I, I don't really know. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. He is suspended, so plan accordingly. We will talk about waiver wires uh, in the next section. But for now, let's move on to Amari Cooper. Uh, he did miss this past week. He is still, to this date, and is now Tuesday, he is still in concussion protocol. Um, are we are we you know placing any bets on him playing this week? Um, is there any impact it may have if he doesn't? I mean, his ankle too, right? It's still um, still slightly injured. I don't know if it's injured. It's definitely hurt. So uh, that's two things working against him. But if he can play, I'm excited because the Chiefs secondary, as you've seen this past game, being a Jets fan is atrocious. I I concur. That is definitely true. Uh, another another point that will come to you for is Eli Manning is set to be the starter for the New York football giants yet again. Uh, after the whole Geno experiment did not succeed, both McAdoo and Jerry Reese are officially fired. Thankfully. Wow. Um, so McAdoo don't keep your job, loser. <laughs> no, I went on my vent last week. I, like I said, I never like seeing somebody lose their job, but they clearly needed a change. Um, it's a shame that Eli lost his record because of this whole ridiculous debacle situation. But at the end of the day, he's second of all time, consecutive games played. I don't think he cares. He's the organization is moving in the right direction. I agree. 
And, uh, you know, you know, nicely noted that you did discuss this last week. And I, you know, I'm sure our listeners very much appreciated your rant because you were correct. And it all happened that way that they all unfortunately lost their job. Actually, fortunately lost their job. Another, another, uh, one game suspension that could play an impact. He hasn't been as stellar as he's been, you know, the first, you know, 10 weeks of the season, but, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, has been suspended one game for his vicious, but what a hit. Here, here's the thing, though. What a I want to just I'm going to talk for 30 oh. seconds about this. Just 30 seconds. I I like Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think that anybody that makes a hit like this should be suspended. That being said, it was put on a person that has given so many of these hits to other players, who has injured them, concussed them, who has done it for pure sport in Vontez Perfect. So... As much as I don't want to say, hey, he should have done this, I think it's a, that Burfict finally got his medicine. He finally got exactly what he deserved. Wow. And you're, I, you're saying he was sick and this is his cure. I it, it was. It, it is. It's true. And he got I just. I, I, he did. He, it was. He laid him out. Ooh. Now, do I'm you trying think, to watch it right now, I don't, real quick. I don't, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was dirty to the point where. I mean, what, what's, the whole, what's the whole argument? His head. Because if he didn't hit him with his head first, exactly. Which if you really still late. If you really look at it, he kind of went like, eh, you know, like head shoulder really quick. I yeah. Uh, I I just I he, saw it more of as it was a dirty hit. He nailed him. He it, destroyed Vontez. And perfect. it's it's not like it was on a blocking plate. It was basically after the fact. Doesn't oh matter. yeah, he's watching it. Unbelievable, right? Live. It happened so fast. I couldn't tell. Oh, Burfik's not looking. No. Oh, you're Boom. right. You're right. If he doesn't hit with his head first, exactly. it's a perfectly it's clean perfect. hit. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like, and that, it's very, very. But the fact that he stood over him, too. He stood over yeah, him that's, and watched him. It's pretty That's bad. the oh issue. Oh, my God. Taunting, taunting is where the penalty comes from on that. Obviously, he hit him with his head, too. But the fact that Gronkowski got one game and that hit also got one game. I don't know. I mean, was way after. Uh, yeah, they yeah. are they're oh. completely different. They're completely different. Yeah, I, I, and I think the fact that because Perfect has put, you know, has raised so much hell in this league by the fact that he has no morals, um, I think this was kind of. I, I thought the NFL could have been a little bit more lenient on the rookie, but hey, it is what it is. He is suspended, so you have to plan accordingly. Um, Martavis Bryant could definitely see some uptick in his targets with Schuster uh, and Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, uh, we'll see more. Uh, let's move on to an, another NFC, uh, AFC North team. One kind of we saw, you know, a little bit surprised this past week uh, in the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they're putting up 44 points. We'll get to that later. But Alex Collins dealing with migraines. He's been dealing with them all season. Um, I know all three of us are pretty big fans of his. And the fact that, you know, as a good running back, too, it's unfortunate to see this happen. Um you know, migraines are a terrible, terrible thing, and the fact that he could miss time because of it, or you know, it could affect the rest of his year, is kind of, kind of sucks. Yeah, you never like to see that, you know. But it is what it is. Hopefully, we'll hope for the best that he can keep it under, you know, keep it, you know, in control, and he can play this week. And the last bit of news is Matt Stafford. Uh, he got hurt. We weren't sure what exactly was going on with his arm or his hand. <laughs> Uh, this past week, but it's confirmed that it's not broken. His hand is not broken, and he could play this Sunday, which is a pretty big news. Yeah, my boy Jake Rudock, second season out of Michigan. I don't know if he's uh, I don't know if he's ready for the big stage yet, but you know we've seen other quarterbacks throw five picks in the first half. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is you're right. No, but Stafford, there's are saying it's all likelihood that Stafford could play this weekend, um, and Detroit hasn't looked great. So if they are missing him, all of their other targets uh, take a big step back as well. Stafford has not mm-hmm. missed a game. Since twenty, since twenty ten, 
That can't be right. Yes, sixteen. He's got the second 16 right. Sixteen games played every single wow. every single season till 20, 2010, He played three. So two thousand nine, he played ten. Oh. Two thousand ten, he played three, and then twenty eleven, he started his sixteen game runs. Now that's you know what for a guy that very has impressive. Such a bad rap. He had such a bad rap that he was injury prone his first you know, two years in the league. They said he was injury prone, and the fact that he hasn't missed a game since then is pretty remarkable. Awesome. Yeah, he's up there in the same class as Eli Manning almost, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they'll we'll sit him at that. some point. Yeah. <laughs> we will see about that. It's rare air. Rarified air. Let's quickly move to waiver wire. Not a, a ton of, you know, stuff going on here, especially because a lot of leagues do lock uh, when playoff time comes. So it's just there are certain um, waiver wire pickups that if you have the opportunity to, uh, these are some guys you could pick up this week. Hey, Kyle, I, ha- I have Rob Gronkowski. Who, which, which tight end would you look at? Oh, thank you. That's such a great question to ask. Thank you for raising your hand as well. Um, I would, my personal choice would be Steven Anderson from the Houston Texans. And that is because CJ Fedorowicz is now placed on the IR. Um, Tom Savage is the quarterback. And the fact is that Tom Savage, even though he put up 365 yards passing this past week, he's not exactly the best quarterback in the world, and he's going to rely heavily on a tight end. Worth a shot. You might have a better option at tight end. You might not. So in that event, Steven Anderson is still out there for sure. Five catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. <clears throat> yeah. That's pretty good. I, I agree. And if, you know, if, you're, if you're strapped and you don't really have any other options, it could be worth a look. Twelve targets as well. That's that's a good. Well, Tom Savage also threw the ball forty nine times. It, well, and DeAndre had fourteen, so two behind wow. DeAndre. That's that's that's, not, that's Brock Osweiler stuff right that's there. That's really good. And, and he had a better game, better fantasy game <laughs> than DeAndre. So some uh, some other guys we can discuss. You know, we'll go into detail on some of these players uh, in our next section. Um, is Mike Davis for Seattle? You know, splitting some time and carries and opportunity with J, uh, J.D. McKissack. Worth a look. I don't really like to trust Seattle in their run game, but if you're if you're strapped and you need some help, he might be worth an opportunity. A guy we'll talk about in the next uh, in the section in a few would be uh, Josh Gordon. Yeah. Josh Gordon, worth a shot. Some people probably picked him up well before this. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he has, yeah. I mean, it's 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 possible. Uh, but if he's still out there, worth a look. Cleveland is going to be targeting the hell out of him. <clears throat> Alfred Morris, another guy that might be off the waiver wire, but might still be out there. Uh, he had another very good game this week. Uh, 127 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, will be worth a look, especially against the New York Giants coming up. Marquise Goodwin turning into the ex-New England Patriot. Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target, perhaps. Uh, he did have a good showing this past week, and the fact that there's really no other one else to throw to, uh, with Pierre Garcon down for the count for this season. Uh, some other some other ones just to mention: Clive Wolford, uh, Jared Cook did not have a great game. Amari was out. Michael Crabtree was out. Might be worth looking at Clive Wolford. Who knows? And then the last one: Mike Wallace put up 116 spot in the yardage category this past weekend. Um, Baltimore offense also put up 44 points, so you never know. But might be worth a look especially if he's still out there. All right, now we have arrived, after all of that wonderful information, to the question of the day. Throw a little knowledge your way. Throw a little, uh, you know, let's let's see if we can provide the listeners with... Well, I, I hate using the word regret, but it happens to be one. Is if, I, if I had to ask you right now, 13 weeks gone in the season, playoffs coming, you know, what is your biggest regret to this point? 
you know, if you had to name anything that you've done wrong or you would redo if you could, you know, what would you what would be your biggest regret from this season so far? Wow, that's a great question. All right, I have um, I have two, and I'm going to throw you off a little bit here. The first one is I regret not picking Alvin Kamara in every single league that I'm in. <laughs> that's a great one, actually, because he is phenomenal. I know Mark Ingram was saying this week that he hasn't practiced yet, very limited. I mean, he's still going to play, but, I mean, they're both top eight backs. Kamara's in the conversation for no- number one running back this week, I think, honestly. Let's hope he can keep it up. It's the playoffs. He's carried a bunch of my teams. I love it. I actually picked him up, um, like, post-round keeper in a bunch of leagues, just hoping, right, if Kareem Hunt was gone, I was looking at Alvin Kamara, right? And I think I'm very happy that Kamara fell to me in a bunch of leagues. Uh, phenomenal. And my second one, who's had a terrible season, um, actually on a team with Kamar. He was my first pick, Mike Evans. Incredibly disappointing season. Um, I think after last year, I was expecting him to continue his growth. He was on that trajectory, uh, yet he just he can't catch the football. I don't know what they're doing to try and get him the ball in space. It's, it's very it's frustrating. But I am going to keep him in my lineup this week, because if he finally has that big week and I take him out and I lose, I am going to be furious with myself. And I don't necessarily have a better option, so that's uh, not not the best year for uh, for me this year when it came to fantasy. I did rely heavily on some certain players that did not pan out. Um, but mine isn't a player that I most regret. Mine is a philosophy that I most regret, and it's the fact that I always tell people best player available, best player available, best player available, mm. and then I say, you know, you know, make sure you know it, you shouldn't target just a position. You should target you know, building a team around great players. And while that is true, and there's always those, you know, diamonds in the rough like Alvin Kamara um, somewhere later in the draft, the truth is is that when it came down to it, a lot of my team's struggles came from the fact that there just wasn't enough running back depth. And that is my biggest regret because I hate telling people and listeners and anybody who asks to draft running backs. But I'm going to say it and say it loudly is the fact that if... I had drafted a top-tier running back in the first three rounds, and at least one or two of them, I would have won much more than I did, and that would included the player, the likes of the players of the likes of Todd Gurley, for example, Devonta Freeman, for example, players that even though they miss time when they play, they played well. And the truth is, is that if you want to build a cornerstone team, a team that is great, and you want to make it all the way to your championship. It unfortunately circles around the running back position. And while I do not like just discussing one position because Antonio Brown is a game changer and A.J. Green is a game changer, the truth is is that the running back depth is the killer, and it actually did end all of my hopes and dreams this year. So that would be my biggest regret is not paying enough attention to the running back position. I would have to say my biggest regret is – and we even talk about this too, all of us, especially you and me, brother, is don't let the experts affect your decisions. And I read too much up, and I'm going to bring him up. I love Cameron Braid. Oh, my God. I read every single expert. Oh, Cameron Brady's not going to be this good this week. And I had something in the back of my mind said, I don't know. Jameis is back. He's going to do awesome. So what did I do? I think I dropped him in two leagues. And (laughs) you're in one with me, brother. Dropped him him in every league. I still have him in my dynasty because, I mean, I'm not going to drop him in my dynasty. But dropped him in every league I had him. And I had him starting in those leagues, mind you. 
And I think if I would if we would have started him in our league, we would have won. Yeah. But right. we also had another situation too, but that was pretty disgusting. Yeah, don't go there. Andy Dalton, jerk. So my biggest regret is just do not let the experts not necessarily fool you, but yes, fool you into sitting a guy that you think, if you think he's going to do good, who cares about his projections, start him. you got to have conviction. I just want to throw in there before I forget. We're here just to provide some sort of guidance, right? Because a lot of this is based on stats and then matchups and... I mean, ultimately, it's it's a human being playing a game at the end of the day, right? And you don't know what's going on in their head, in their heart, off the field, whatever, right? How are they going to perform on the field is all that matters. And my strategy, since I've been preaching the word conviction, and I think the more that I think about it now, looking back at all my drafts, is that I reach like crazy for players that I have real conviction in. I will just go draft those players. I don't care what the value, where it is. I mean, obviously, you got to be a little careful with some of that stuff, but... That's what I think I do, honestly. I reach. If I like a guy, I want him on my team, I'm going to reach for him. Round early, three rounds early, half the draft early, whatever. Thank you for that note. That's You're very you're very correct. You really are. It's um, it's a game where we, we have the opportunity to run our own franchise, and you have to run it how you see fit. And sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. Thank you for your notes, and unfortunately, we are human beings. We can only go based on patterns, just like a weatherman can only go based on patterns. And, you know, if a weatherman tells you it's going to be, you know, sunny today and it rains, you know, it's not that he's not good at his job. It's the fact that sometimes patterns change. So, or sometimes wow. there's a there's a hiccup. Sometimes there's things that just, you know, a, an outlier or there's, you know, an event that happens that causes the pattern to go off target. So let's turn to this past week, to week 13. Uh, let's re- we're gonna we're gonna separate the players. We're gonna separate these two categories into players who we saw that exceeded their expectation, and some players who fell short. Some players who let us down this past week, and that could be based on just that who the player is and how great they should be, or based on the matchup. They should have taken advantage of a matchup and didn't, or they you know someone who you know far exceeded our, exceeded our expectations against a very good defense or offense. Uh, so we'll start with the players who exceeded our expectations this week. And for me, the one that jumped off the page is the fact that Mike Davis put up 100 total yards on the best rushing defense in the NFL. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So your thoughts, I mean, did you guys see this? Wasn't it in Seattle? Uh, Yeah, but... I don't know. I think that helps a little bit, but... Brand brand new. (laughs) He runs hard, though, man. He He does. He looks good. He's like a mini Chris Carson out there, honestly. Like, he runs with power. Like a young Thomas Rawls. <laughs> Thomas Rawls for, a, for a couple games for a couple weeks. <laughs> they run with they run with power, man. It's uh, I, I'm impressed so far. So we'll see how long he can stay healthy. Uh, another guy that we we know what he's capable of, but it's more about opportunity. And um, he far exceeded his expectations against a top ten defense, the Houston Texans. And that is Derrick Henry uh, getting to make the most of his opportunity uh, for the Tennessee Titans in their win. He had only 11 rushes, but he made the most of it, averaging almost 11 yards. Yeah, exactly. Let's say, yeah, un- unbelievable. Um, almost 10 yards per carry. Uh, had Did have a touchdown. He had 109 yards and the touchdown. Is this something that you guys see as a pattern, something you guys see as maybe DeMarco steps up this week and we don't know? I don't think we know. I agree. I think he, I mean, he had a 75-yard TD, right? So that that's a majority of his yards, and he still right. only got the ball 11 times. So did Murray. So I think it's going to go back and forth every week. It's tough to predict. They're going to run the ball for sure, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a coin toss. Yeah. 
And I, I I agree. It's it's especially with that backfield, it's always hard to to pick who is going to make the most of their opportunities. And even though he did have a seventy five yard touchdown, that was the outlier. Our seventy five yard run that was the outlier. It still it still adds up in the end. Um, so another one that exceeded expectations this week, just for the f- sole fact that it was his first time playing in what two years. That's Josh Gordon. You know, I, we weren't sure really what to expect. You know, just like we weren't sure what to expect from Jimmy Garoppolo starting his first game for the 49ers. And we weren't sure really sure what to expect for Josh Gordon. And he made the most of it. I mean, four receptions, 85 total, uh, 85 receiving yards. I mean, were you guys expecting less, more? 11 targets. Yeah. That's pretty solid for a first game back. Deshaun, I mean, clearly like throwing to him. Four catches, 85 yards. Hopefully that number can get a little bit higher for them. But then again, the Chargers actually do have a very good pass defense. So, yeah, they have a fifth-ranked fifth pass defense. They, yes. So. so, and they're actually one of the best scoring defenses. I think like fourth or fifth right now in a, in fantasy. I think it's encouraging. I think that's one word to describe it. Is that if you have Josh Gordon, I think he's a start next week. Definitely wide receiver three for sure. Yeah, especially because he's going up against the Packers and they are terrible against the pass. So, and the thing is too, I mean. Not to toot my own hoon here, but there's not a lot of athletes on the team, right? So I was hoping that they were just going to pepper him with targets, which is exactly what they did. The thing is, some of those targets were, like, completely off the mark. If Kaiser had some accuracy, he could have completed eight, nine, ten of those passes because Gordon was open, uh, which is the thing I'm most impressed about. I think that he actually got open. There was actually space. Casey Hayward is a top-five cover corner. Um, I am... Excited about him moving forward, and this week, I agree with you guys. He is a must-start. I'm starting him. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, you're right. Kaiser is not the best, but the truth is is that when Josh Gordon had his you know really great year a few years back, he didn't really have a quarterback again then, so it, he makes the most of his opportunity. He's a, He's been training hard. He's been trying to prove to people that he's not this, you know that person he used to be, and he's a changed person, so... I hope the best for him. That's the biggest thing for him. It's the fact that he exceeded expectations in the fact that he played a football game, honestly. Yeah, exactly. He's got his life on the right track. Now just get him the football, Deshaun. So Dolphins receivers against the Denver pass defense. This Denver pass defense is, as much as Denver has absolutely imploded this year. How are they they, the fourth best defense? They still have the fourth best pass defense. How? They, they are. (laughs) (laughs) They somehow find a way to make it work. Their rush rush defense is absolutely awful, but their pass defense, Yeah, their pass defense is still holding up as one of the top five best pass defenses. That being said, uh, the Dolphins receivers made them look silly. Um, Both Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry combined for over 150 yards um, of you know and a touchdown between the two. So is is this you know is this promising for the Dolphins? I know they're not on their I know they're not a you know a playoff caliber team by any means, but the fact that you know against the Denver secondary they can put up this type of yardage. It's basically been these two guys the entire season. You like you like Stills or par- uh, who do you like better? I, I I have Landry in one. I don't have Stills in any. So selfishly, I'm going to say Landry, but I do like Kenny Stills a little bit more than Landry. He's been getting a lot more action than Landry. Landry's putting up some game. I mean, he still is. I think like a top ten PPR right now. He's consistently getting his receptions. He is. That's it. Yards, eh. I think there was like some games when he got like seven or eight catches for like 50 yards or something like that, or 55 or 60 yards. So I like Stills a little bit more, but it's I I think I was expecting this actually this game, even though they were playing Denver. 
there's definitely more big play upside with Stills, which I thought, honestly, that Smoke and Jay was coming back, that that would go to Devonta Parker. Um, unfortunately, he only got four targets, one catch for five yards. I mean, Landry does most of his work within 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, hence why he doesn't have so many yards. He hasn't really broken any um, long runs, yak yards after the catch. Um, but I think moving forward, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about Stills, but I think Landry's still going to uh, get his catches. Like you said, I was actually going to bring that up, too, is the fact that everyone expected Devontae Parker to be the one that benefited from Jay Cutler. And it's actually Kenny Stills who has. So especially over the past, you know, five, six weeks, he's been a real big contributor for the Dolphins offense. What's, you know, the Dolphins offense is not the best in the world, but he's been a he's been a pretty big contributor for them. And especially against, uh, you know, a top five defense, a top five passing, uh, passing defense. It's pretty, pretty promising. Kenny Drift looked pretty good, too. I'm actually hoping yeah. he can. Yeah. Uh... That he can keep it up for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, these yeah, are these are guys who like these are guys like a, a Drake would be a you know running back two going into your playoffs. Kenny yeah. Stills would be a you know wide receiver three or flex option going into your playoffs. So it's promising. It really is. It's it's a nice thing to see. <laughs> so exciting. I know. <laughs> um, this really isn't this isn't so much exceeding expectation, but at the same point it is, and that's the Saints running backs against uh, running backs against the Carolina rush defense. Carolina has the fourth best rush defense in the NFL this season. And the Saints running backs once again made a top defense look foolish. Between Kamara and Ingram, Ingram put up 122 total yards. Kamara had 126 total yards. And they had three touchdowns between them. I just, it's every week with these two guys. Every single week. Um, is this is this surprising at all to you, even against a great no. you know, front seven like the Carolina Panthers have? Nothing. No. They're just they're they're really they're really awesome. They're my favorite right now to make it to the Super Bowl for the NFC. I think wow. they can beat the Vikings. I think they can beat the the Eagles. Drew Brees is not even throwing the ball. Yeah. Like like as much as he does, he's not going to hit five thousand yards this year. It may be the first time in like the past like four or five years. <laughs> but they're running the ball very very successfully, and it's it's amazing. Since like Deuce McAllister, they also have two of them. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's a, yeah, it's a two-headed monster. But I think you could what they've been doing through the draft over the past few years is trying to build up that offensive line to prolong the career of Drew Brees. And I think Sean Payton realized that over the past few years since they won that Super Bowl, that you can't Brees can't pass 50 times a game without a run game. Their defense was atrocious. Brees was just passing. No run game. You can't control the clock. You can't manipulate the game flow. I think they completely invested in that, and it's working. And people were like, oh, wow, they got AP also, got rid of them, and everything actually opened up for both of them. So I am a huge fan of what the Saints are doing right now. And I think Breeze is going to play for a couple more years. I mean, he threw 34 yeah. passes this game. I mean, he's going to have to pass that times to win the game late. That's you nothing know, but... for him. 34 yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll discuss them later on with the Thursday night game. It's going to be a great Thursday night game between them and the Falcons. But a thing to note is that the Saints' defense has been atrocious over the past few years. So Drew Brees' numbers have to be high because they're always playing from behind. Keep up. The Saints this year, we'll get into it later, but the Saints this year have the 12th best total defense. Mm. I mean, so when you have a top 12 defense, that means you're going to run the ball a lot. And the fact is, is that, you know, ground and pound is almost exacerbated with the Saints team because they are playing very, very good defense and they're running the ball very, very well. So it's, it's translating on both sides. I'm impressed. And last one we'll talk about for players who exceeded their expectations. Once again, another top, top tier player here. But going up against a very good uh, front seven and a very good rush defense, that's Todd Gurley against the Arizona rush defense. Um, 
Gurley's obviously been incredible this entire year, but to go up against a top 10 defense yet again and put up 158 total yards against them is, it's it's really incredible. I think he's the number one running back right now, Todd Gurley, in basically every format. I'm not surprised. Yes, he's had a couple games where he didn't get over 100 total yards or just to the cusp, but it's Todd Gurley. The guy's going to finish the year strong. I think it goes back to big players making big plays in big games. Regardless of who you're playing, this is something that I'm trying to focus on as the fantasy playoffs are here. It's like, regardless of the matchup or who you're playing, right? It's like, enough is enough. You're going you're gonna to put up or shut up, right? This is when it, this is when it matters. So I'm hoping that my big-time players, my superstars that I, that I fully believe in are going are gonna to show up when it matters most. And Todd Gurley has. And I think it goes back to uh, the coaching as well because Jeff Fisher... I mean, I'm not going to comment too much, but let's be honest. They didn't have good offensive schemes. It was down year, terrible year last year for Todd Gurley. Clearly, he has the talent. They have a good scheme, good coaching. Put the ball in his hands. He's been phenomenal. Do you know who said who said that? Big players step up in big games. Oh, you mean it's, I didn't just make that up? No, it's from it's somebody from the U, I believe. I'm pretty sure it was either McGahee or it was Ray Lewis or it was somebody Ed, like that. Ed Reed, maybe? I don't know. No, it wasn't Ed Reed. It was somebody like that, though. It was somebody from the U back in the day. But anyway. Jeremy, um, Jeremy Shockey. No, it wasn't Jeremy Shockey. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up our players who exceeded their expectations this week. Um, these are some guys who might have carried you into your playoffs, who might have gotten you right over that hump that got you into the playoffs where you weren't expecting to. And, you know, these big players who helped you get there. Now let's turn to the other side of the coin here. And maybe some guys that, you know, fell short. And they might have cost you a trip to the playoffs. You know, guys you started with the hopes that they would break out, you know, yet again, that they'd have a great game and they fell short. And now you might be either on the cusp or you got that last seed instead in the playoffs. So we're going to talk about them for a second. And that's let's start with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's had an on and off year. He's had some good games. He's had some bad games. But going up against uh, the 29th ranked rush defense of the San Francisco 49ers, we kind of thought he would make the most of it, and he did not. Um, 38 rush yards on 13 carries, only one receptions for the stone hands himself. Um, I, I just, are you guys surprised at all by this, especially with a rookie quarterback? I'm a little surprised because, like you said, their rush defense is one of the worst in the NFL right now. And uh, I'm, I'm just appalled. 13 carries, that's that's not enough for Jordan Howard. I mean, I didn't really watch this game, but 15 to 13, I believe, was the final score. 14, 15, 14. 15, 14. Ooh, even better. Wow, what an exciting game. Yes. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that he didn't destroy the Niners by himself. He's been an anomaly this year because early on, he did well against really good rush defenses and then did terrible against terrible rush defenses. So I think, I mean, this was an example of playing your big-time star, hoping that he had a good matchup and it working against you, right? So then that, that's why this is so difficult, and this is why we love it. Yeah, and that's it's a perfect example of how those things, unfortunately, can happen, that a, a good player you know, kind of plays down to his competition instead of stepping up like he should. Um, we'll move on to Julio against Minnesota. You know, Minnesota does have a very good defense, so this one isn't really the fact that he had a great matchup. Right. You know, Minnesota's pass defense is ranked 10th right now in the NFL. They have a very good defense overall. You know, the rush defense makes up for it, too, because the fact that they're a top two, they're like the second, I believe they're the second ranked um, rush defense. 
So they make up for it, you know, any other, you know, bad qualities they may have in passing defense through their rush defense. Um, and Julio, two receptions for 24 yards is not going to cut it. I know they're a great defense. But like you said, big players should be stepping up during these big games. The Falcons really needed to win this game against a very tough Minnesota team, and they just did not show up. Thanksgiving morning, Marvin Jones lit up Xavier Rhodes. He absolutely dominated him, destroyed him. Then the Falcons only threw the ball to Julio Jones six times. I know he was blanket covered the entire game, but... I don't know. I would have thrown him the ball 10, 12 times. If he's your best player, you got to try and get him the ball. Six targets is not going to do it. they got a lot of mouths to feed on that team. But six targets is not is not enough for Julio by any means. The guy could be the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I think this, I think this Falcons offensive coordinator um, change that they made over this past year to Steve Sarkeesian is not paying off for them. Um, and it's really hampering everybody involved. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, the run game, just about everyone. And so, they did okay for a couple weeks, though. Right, it looked like they were right. getting them back on track right. and in this mm-hmm. game. I mean, the Vikings are good, let's right. be honest. I don't get it. Anyway, let's move on to a defensive matchup here. You know, the Detroit for the first few games of the season, first few weeks of the season, was one of the top five, six best defenses all around. And they go up against this Baltimore offense that is ranked 30th in total offense in the NFL. Abysmal. Right. So when you look at this and you say, you know, Detroit has kind of struggled over the past, you know, few weeks, but going up against a a struggling Baltimore offense that's just not that great, you know, you would say, okay, I'm going to sit certain players and you sat them and it just didn't work because the Detroit defense led up 44 points and 370 total yards to the Baltimore offense, like I said, ranked 30th. Um, Is this another anomaly? Is this an outlier? Any of you? Baltimore is. is could be in the wild card. <laughs> That's sad. And they and they and they look. How are they? How are they? What are they? Seven and four? Seven and five? Oh, what? they're six. They're seven and five. No, they're seven and five. I'm serious. They're seven and five. Oh my god, they're seven and five. I thought they were six and six. I'm perturbed. We thought wrong. Perplexed. Perplexed by by this performance. Lions defense. You probably started them if you did have them. So it was an awful game. For the Lions' day, you might have gotten negative. You might have gotten negative points. I don't know or zero. You definitely did. You definitely you got. Probably got negative. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Alex Collins is. If he doesn't play, if Alex Collins is done, Javorius Allen can he handle the load? Who knows what could happen with this offense? Mike Wallace, though his first hundred yard game this season. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. They're just a boring ass team. But this game, I guess, was exciting for them. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I got nothing. Awesome. Perfect. Let's move to LaShawn McCoy. The guy can't do it himself. I get it. But going up against the New England, New England rush defense that is 26th in the NFL, you would think that... New English. Yeah, I know. Can we go take retake that? I fucked that up. No, I'm no. Ahead. I'm leaving this. Okay. You know, LaShawn goes up against a top, you know, if he goes up against a top defense, he shines somehow. You know, LaShawn is a great game-changing back, but he goes up against New England, who is ranked 26th um, as a rush defense this year. And they just didn't give him the ball. And I don't understand because Tyrod was absolutely abysmal. Tyrod looked like the worst quarterback in the NFL, yet again. He looks like Nathan Peterman. Not, I'm not even uh, joking. He did. He looked exactly like he would have. And Peterman. so... So you're you're down twenty. Well, they lose twenty three to three. 
23-3, You know, I just don't understand why they weren't feeding him the ball. And now, you know, 102 total yards, yeah, that's great and all, but that's all he had. It's two, he had two receptions, too. Like, I, I just don't understand what the Buffalo mindset is. is. If your quarterback is struggling and you have no receiving core that they can trust and no quarterback they can trust, you have Deshaun McCoy. Why not use him? He only had two catches, five targets in the receiving game. So 17 total touches for 102 yards. It's not enough. It's it's not. It's, for He for, needs to be like 35 touches a game. Right, for a team at, that's struggling. There are teams struggling with their identity. They're trying to get into the playoffs. I don't know how the hell they could even get to the playoffs watching them. But you're a team that's struggling, trying to find your identity, trying to find a quarterback. And in the meantime, you have a star running back. Why aren't you? Why are you not giving him 25 carries and six receptions a game? I don't get it. Tyrod Taylor and Nathan Peterman had 115 yards combined. It's about passing. It's about right. So. The Patriots' defense has been the best over the past six, seven weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Yards and points. They've they they figured it out again. They put yeah. it together. Honestly, they're, tr- they're trying. Yeah, they definitely are. They're trying to make up for their you know for how good their offense is. Their defense is trying to to make up for it. And I get it. But Buffalo Buffalo's mindset should be to run the ball right now, and they're just they're getting away from that. And if you had Lashawn McCoy this week, you twelve points probably did not get it done for you. And that's what he got you this week. So let's let's pivot to another team versus team here instead of player and that's the Washington offense versus the Dallas defense Washington is another team struggling to find their identity they're, tr- they're trying to run the ball with Samaji P. Ryan they're trying to show that you know that Kirk Cousins is a top quality quarterback and yet they cannot get it done against the 21st ranked total defense in the Dallas Cowboys I don't know what their whole what their mindset is right now but it's not good you know Captain Kirk go- throws two interceptions they, they have 56 total rushing yards against a pretty mediocre Dallas defense. And a fumble. I don't know. The Cowboys' defense is not good. I am a Cowboys fan, but their defense is not that good, Kirk. And I have Kirk Cousins, too, on a fantasy team. So I really wanted him to have an awesome game, but the Cowboys still win. And that didn't really happen. Cowboys won, but he didn't really have that good of a game. And I lost. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like a personal problem. So thanks, thanks, Kirk. And that's the yeah, thing. Pers- personal for him. That's the thing, though, is a lot of people are probably feeling that way. They probably have that same reaction. Is the fact that wow, like I, you know, it's, uh, the the Washington offense is still the twelfth best total offense in the NFL, and they just did not get it done against the Dallas defense. And I, I could say it's because Dallas was home, but it doesn't really matter. This goes back to what I was saying earlier. They're they're playing the Chargers, and I'm going to stick with Kirk Cousins. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I'm hoping that both teams are going to score some points, honestly. They're go- they are probably both going to score some points. The Chargers do have an underrated defense that people don't really realize. They have underrated a very— defense. Yeah, on both sides of the ball, both sides of the defense, front seven, secondary, they are very, very solid defense. So I honestly, I'd like to counter that and say I really think that the Chargers are shutting down. The Chargers are competing for that uh, AFC West with the Chiefs faltering and the Raiders playing okay. Um, I think that the Chargers are going to step up their game, and this Washington offense doesn't look like much of a challenge right now. I think the Chargers win, but I think they win like a 42-28 to 28 game, which I'm hoping Kirk Cousins, <laughs> along with his pick four and touchdowns. fumble, throws three or four touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No. exactly. exactly. the last person we will discuss on the players who let us down this week is somebody we talked about earlier, and that is Mike Evans. Mike Evans this year has 
seen two quarterbacks play, Jameis and Fitzpatrick, but he's also seen the other side, you know, Jameis part two, where Jameis kind of sucked for most of this year. Um, and Mike Evans has not been much better. You know, going up against a Green Bay pass defense that is awful. 26 ranked defense. They have nobody back there. And he goes for two receptions for 33 total yards. Uh, is this is he is he worth starting at this point? Yes, because it's you grease the squeaky wheel. And I don't believe in the media you're necessarily reading anything about him complaining, but they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and realize, like, wow, we didn't throw him the ball. He's one of our best athletes, one of our best playmakers. We need to get the ball in his hands. And I think during film study this week, they're going to realize they did not create enough opportunities for Mike Evans, and I'm going to keep him in my lineup. It seems like the only player who plays for the Buccaneers right now is Peyton Barber. So, <laughs> And Cameron Literally. stood for one week. Yeah, it's, it seems like it's the Peyton Barber show, and I don't understand why. Um, and the thing is, he's going to be matched up against Darius Slay this next week. Hmm. Not sure I like that matchup, but it's worth taking a look. So, And that wraps up our players who let us down this past week. Um, so if we can think back on the players we talked about who exceeded expectations, you know, players who might have exceeded your expectations on your team's or players who let you down this week in, you know, in every facet of the game. Like, what do you do with that now? So say you got into the playoffs. Say you're there. You're in the big dance. What what are you what are you taking from this? Are you saying, hey, um, I'm gonna start them no matter what. They were my top, you know, few picks. I have faith in them this week. Do you sit them and say, you know what, screw you, you 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 helped me lose this past week. I'm not I'm not trusting this yet again. Or is it a more of a case by case basis, do you think? Well, I think that you have to look at their body of work overall, their, like their consistency rating, if you will, because you don't know if the guy coming off of like one or two games, the best games of their life, when you didn't even you never heard of them before. It could they could be a flash in the pan, and then you're going to take out a guy like Mike Evans who has multiple years of playing, you know, at the top level in the NFL. And I think I would be very, I'd be very concerned about taking out a superstar athlete like that when it mattered most. Uh, I mean, at the same time, you have to look at the matchups and what they've done recently. It's a, it's honestly, it's, it's tough. It's tough because one player that I'm very confused about is Kareem Hunt, and the the Chiefs. What are you doing? Tyreek Hill got back on track this week. Kel, Kelsey, thank you. I mean, but Kareem Hunt, they're not, they're still not even giving him the ball. I mean, but is that a, is that a product of him not having the burst? Like, did he hit the rookie wall? Yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in that as well. So I think that it's. It's more about taking it case by case and determining matchups, determining, you know, what's a better fit for your lineup. But the thing is, a lot of fantasy players and a lot of fantasy minds don't really have patience. They see the playoffs in sight. They see money in sight and bragging rights in sight. And they don't have the patience to say, okay, you know, it's a great matchup. Let's let's, let's weigh my options and go from there. They see it let more, me think about yeah, this. Right, exactly. Let me think. Let me let me think logically about this. And I am a, I'm a firm believer in that because I'm just like that. I get emotional about it. I say, you know what? I act purely on emotion. I say, you screwed me this past mm-hmm. week. You're getting benched. And it's probably not the best way to go, but <laughs> it happens. It's it's pure emotion. There's a lot on the line. So I'm going to pickle this week someone like Devonta Freeman, who hasn't really played that well. Uh, yes, he was out for the past like two weeks before this past week, but he's I think he's still ranked twentieth right now in like one league that I have him in. And Alfred Morris had an awesome game last week. 
they're playing the Giants, who do not have a good defense, and Devonta's playing New Orleans, who have a better pass defense than rush defense. You know what I mean? Like, Devonta Freeman, I drafted him so high, but do I sit him in the first week of the playoffs over Alfred, like Alfred Morris, who had a good game? But the Cowboys, oh, Jason Garrett, he's going to disappoint, and Alfred Morris is probably going to get the ball like 10 times this week for like 40 yards. And then, <laughs> not to get crazy on the emotional, like, human aspect of things, the Giants just fired their coach and their GM. And Eli is back, baby. So I think they're going to be playing with some crazy emotion, brother. I don't know if that's going to translate to necessarily stopping Alfred Morris, but it or might. Or playing really bad. Yeah. Either, either one. Right. I'm, I'm, happy, <laughs> be happy. I'm a firm believer that it's about your when, – when it comes to the playoffs, I'm going to tell you straight up that it's – it's going to be your best players, and I believe that Devonta Freeman gives you the best opportunity um, to win than Alfred. And it's does. Thursday too. Yeah, so I know. I, so I gotta make I gotta make that decision. I know. Like and what days. a great what a great <laughs> pivot that is. Let us discuss this Thursday night game. What a great game we have. We always you know kind of talk badly about the Thursday night game and how it's you know it's not enough rest for the players and it's boring and it's not I worth watching. I love it. And. Yeah, well, you're the one. You're the only one. Um, so then bring up. So then bring up my boy first for the last outing, right? Devonta Freeman. Let's talk about Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman. Um, his this is the first matchup that the Saints and Falcons have this year. They also have one and again in two weeks, three weeks. Two weeks, amazing. Can't wait. Um, Devonta Freeman last year against the Saints went off. He had 301 total yards in both games and two total touchdowns. So. I see this as, you know, yeah, the Saints have evolved. They've become a very, I want to say the word good, defense. Is this cause for change? I don't think so. I think that Devonta Freeman has he's had some okay games, not some great games over the past year or so. But for the most part, he is a starting caliber running back. And that's the decisions you have to make. Is a guy coming back from injury, you know, is he worth starting over, say, a guy that has huge upside in another game? And that's where you have to draw the line. You have to determine, is it worth taking that risk in the playoffs? Um, So in this game, we're going to feature two of the best offenses in the NFL to go along with actually two pretty decent defenses, too. Like we said before, the Saints have um, the 12th best total defense. The Falcons have the 13th best total defense. And the Saints have the second best offense, while the Falcons have the eighth best offense. So we're going to see some points scored. I don't care what those defense numbers say. You're going to see Breeze, Kamara, Ingram, Julio, Devonta, Ryan put up some. I mean, you're talking superstars in the fantasy community. These guys are everyone on yeah, both offenses. Right. Yeah, these are these starting. Are, this is amazing. Muhammad Sanu. I mean, <laughs> yep. Choi Lowe, starting just him throw them out there. Just throw, literally throw them all out there. Um, it's it's true. I mean, what do you guys what do you guys anticipate from this game? Would you would you if you have the Saints defense though? Do you still start them knowing that they're a top defense? Ish. I mean, against the Falcons, it's always a good game. That's the thing. It's always going to be a good game. So I'd be I'd be cautious. That's tough. But with Matt Ryan playing the way he's been playing, I'm, it's a possibility. And, and they're home, too, I think. I think it's in Atlanta. Atlanta. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's I, I would I would avoid the defenses in both of, in both for both of these teams in this uh, in this game. Maybe even drop the Saints. <laughs> They've gotten well, they, this. Got Atlanta, they got Atlanta in two more weeks, so. That is true. You know. Something's got to give this week, and we all keep alluding to it. There's a ton of superstar talent in this game. I am very much looking forward to it. I'm hoping each team scores at least 45 points. Julio Jones breaks out once again. 
Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think they both came off some hard-fought games last week. The Falcons obviously on the losing side, but the Saints on the winning side. So I think, I mean, I think it's going to be an exciting game regardless. It's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, that's the only thing we can hope for is we can hope that it's going to be an exciting game and that it's worth watching. Um, you know, I, I want to see this as as Drew Brees. This sounds crazy to say, but in Week 14 is coming out party. And I think it's going to be. I think Drew Brees is going to light up the scoreboards, whether it's passing to Kamara and Ingram or it's passing to Michael Thomas. I think he's going to have a very, very good game um, against the Atlanta secondary, even though they are a very, very um, good secondary ranked in the top six in the NFL. Um, I think this could be a really, like you said, a really good high scoring game. So one to watch and one to hopefully, uh, you know, take away some points from your Thursday night game. That being said, let us wrap up this, this wonderful episode reviewing week 13. We talked about some news. We talked about some waiver wire potential pickups for those who still can, uh, before the playoffs begin on Thursday for a lot of you. Um, and so we talked about some guys who, you know, exceeded their expectations of what we thought and some guys who let us down. So, you know, that could have been a determining factor if you made the playoffs or not, or if you're still in the playoffs or not. Um, that being said, our next episode, we will focus on getting you prepared for week 14. Um, we are in the trenches of the playoff race and we hope that we can provide you with the information and knowledge to get you even further and into a championship belt around your waist. You know, doing the discount double check. Uh, that's what we hope. For. We hope we we are hoping for some some championship belts, some cashola if that's what you pay for uh, play for. And on that note, this is the Fantasy Fam signing off. <laughs>